0: So hi, this is Tony Silva, and this is uh, number 143 of Two Teachers Talking, but today we've got, uh, not two teachers, we've got four teachers. Um, Charles is off taking care of his uh, school-type business, but I have three very special guests to talk about a very special topic, Um, something I've been thinking about for a while, um, but didn't have drive or the courage to bring it out um but i think it's uh i think it's a valuable one i think it's really important and it's about um teaching well black in japan and how different that can be you know a lot of times we you know, all of us all of us foreigners in japan have um, kind of feel a little bit of being outsiders in a, in a very strange world. Uh, but this is a whole other dimension, and I think it's more timely, of course, in the last couple of years. And with us today, we have Everil Hei Matsui, who is going to talk not only about life experiences, but um, ten, ten, years as, 10 years or so as an activist and researcher, um, <laughs> going to have a lot to offer us, and um, Rachel Patterson, um, who's, uh, connected with uh, uh the Kindai Language Center and is also an assistant director at Berlitz. And uh, Davina Robinson, what can I say about Davina Robinson? Uh, Davina Robinson and I go back um more than twenty-five years as oh God, um, don't remind friends me. and colleagues. <laughs> um And with Davina, it's it's about the voice. You've maybe you know maybe hearing her today for the first time, but probably not. You've probably heard her on and maybe even seen her on television, on radio, on commercials, on the trains, uh, and maybe performing in the in some of the bars in in the concert area or in Tokyo and maybe elsewhere. R and B, blues, rock, uh, solo, and with uh, various bands and stuff. Um, So, yeah. All-star cast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so the last couple of years we've had, you know, of, of course, the disruption of COVID-19, but also may- maybe more than in 2020 than in 21. Um, really kind of a, the idea of Black Lives Matter coming to the forefront. Um, and um, I don't know. My, my, my spot is that kind of like uh, what we a few years before saw with the Arab Spring is kind of hasn't shown the prog hasn't produced the progress that a lot of us maybe had hoped. Um, just recently, as we sit to record just a few days ago, we had the uh, results of the Carl Rittenhouse trial. And, uh, so far the, uh, trial is still ongoing of Ahmad Harbury. Um, and, um, let's hope for a, a better outcome there. But, um, anyway, um, nevertheless a a topic that i think needs discussion and um i will then kind of step back and um let our guests have at it okay so there you go you're on and you're gonna start
1: this out somehow ask a question or something
0: yeah. Well, um, I assume that you guys have a lot of things to talk about, but, um, among the things that I'd guess that you talk about is like hiring, which we talked a little bit about before the show about, um, the, how different that can or can't be. Um, what you perceive are the differences in the classroom, um, staff interaction. And uh, I again, mean, uh, you know, again, all of us feel you know either Japanese or not Japanese. I don't have the hard stats, but I'm sure it's way less than five percent of the population in Japan is not Japanese, and that's all inclusive—the <laughs> you know, the native-born Koreans, Chinese, so forth. Um, peer interaction with your colleagues. Um, what do you perceive are differences or? Friction points, um, your own personal yeah, yeah, stories, yeah. observations, surprises, lessons you learned, uh, things you can share, <clears throat> um, lessons for other people of color, and lessons for, I don't know, I guess us. I know I'm, I'm half Mexican, but I'm white. Um, but uh, anything that uh, you think can help. And, and I, the audience, and I think, is primarily white. Um, and whatever you can teach us, help us out
1: the most okay. recent i mean you said something about colleagues that, so that reminded me of something that actually happened recently i was um recording with another uh teacher he's a white canadian guy older um, um just um what was it uh entrance examination the english part for the university so this is geared for high school kids and i have a lot of experience with high school kids and junior high school kids and so i know what their their curriculum is in the public schools. And this Canadian guy didn't, but he's older. So I'm not sure which, I think it's partially, mostly maybe because I was a female, but I'm not sure. He never spoke to me weirdly. But it was the, the head of the English department was kind of like looking at us both for uh, advice you know what about this sentence? Is this okay? Blah blah blah, that kind of thing. That's what we were doing, and um, you know, he <laughs> he the the Canadian guy would constantly they like, say, well, adding these like euphemisms and stuff that I know for sure that high school kids have not learned and stuff, you know, and um, all these crazy like. Stupid, basically, ideas that, you know, let's put this in there and it's like to make it, he said, let's put this in there to make it more natural. And I'm like, um, no, because they don't, they don't understand. And then, you know, you have to go through this whole rigor rigmarole, basically, like the teacher, the head teacher, who's also male, is looking at him mostly about what to put into this test and his ideas. And then he'd look at me like, Oh, okay. So what do you think? And it's like, Oh, thanks for making me the afterthought here. You know, why why did I bother getting up in the morning to come here to talk about this Mm -hmm. test? You know, basically. And I, and I was, I felt like I was, um, the second opinion. And then, um, you know, I mean, I, of course, I was just getting irritated, so you know I just kept being very strong in my you know interrupting him and stuff like that, so that um they knew what my opinion was of this ridiculous idea of putting uh, stupid natural sounding uh supposedly uh English into this test that these you know it's a listening test I don't know it was just it was just complicated, but in general, I just felt like. You know, I'm not sure if it's because I'm a woman of color or if it's just because I'm a woman. But I just felt not like trusted enough, or I, I I'm I'm not sure how to uh, uh, label that feeling that I had there. But it was just really freaking annoying. I mean,
2: mm. Yeah, I I definitely can. I I'd haven't had that exact experience but I, I know the feeling that you're talking about it's where your opinion or your input is automatically devalued and there's there's something that you can't quite place as to why or maybe you can but it's it's hidden it's like this um under undercurrent of why your opinion all of a sudden takes a back seat or your input takes a back seat. Mm-hmm. even if there's yeah. rationale even if there's reasoning behind it um even if you've expressed it in a professional and in and, and po- and polite way mm-hmm. automatically it gets pushed down to second third tier whereas someone else gets automatically uplifted even or their opinion or their input is automatically put on a platform and it happens a lot more often than i think than people realize
3: definitely mm-hmm.
2: yeah definitely i mean i think
3: um when it comes to working as women of color in Japan, a lot of the time we are left wondering, well, is this situation because of my gender or because of my race? And often what it is, is a combination of both of those things. So, um, and in my research, this comes up again and again, which is kind of comforting because it makes me realize, okay, this is not just me being, you know, weird, but, um, and I should just explain for those people that don't know right now, I'm doing a PhD and, on, um, and my thesis is basically about black women who teach English in Japan, uh, black women from all over the diaspora. So we do have different experiences based on where we come from as well. But just like going back to your experience, Davina, the thing that you were talking about, I had an interesting experience. Interesting annoying experience a few (laughs) years ago (laughs) so i was working at this one university and in our little language center there were four people myself um a white american female it's a good friend of mine and two uh white guys, one from Britain like me, and one from Australia. We had this meeting with uh, the Japanese head of the accounting system. He was talking about budgets and things. Uh, one of the males um, couldn't speak Japanese at all, right? Very, very little. And my friend, the uh, the woman, she was the head teacher. She's also the oldest member, more, most experienced, right? And so her and I were sitting on one side and the men were on the other side and the account manager was at the head of the table. He literally directed all of his responses and questions to the men. And even when they had to ask us to translate for them, to interpret for them, because, you know, this one guy couldn't understand anything, even though we were the ones that were asking all of the questions, all of his responses were, uh, you know, directed towards yeah women.
2: and you just become this disembodied voice in the room and voice, then you don't exist voice. anymore exactly and at the end of it you know my friend
3: was like you know my female friend was like it was like we weren't even in the room you know it's like we weren't didn't really exist and I think that was in a real example of that was that was our agenda there mm. And mm. even though we were
1: older members we had more experience we're more qualified right but isn't that kind of indicative of japan's like um structure as like like the boss doesn't is not like fluent in anything and so the boss has an interpreter i'm talking about like um ceos or something like that the boss has an interpreter like a right hand man to or woman to um you know uh, explain things to him and, you know, uh, interpret for him. And then, you know, because Japanese don't like to do anything direct. So they like to go through somebody. And so I think it's so much easy. It's, it's easy for them to um, ignore us, I guess, because uh, they don't want to do the, they, on the one hand, they don't like to do the straightforward thing. And then, in addition, there's a guy there making the other guy feel safe or something.
3: Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And I, but I think that would have been more relevant if we were interpreting the entire meeting. But we were
2: mm-hmm.
3: all there in yeah. equal position. We were, we were asking the questions, right. even yeah, specific questions related to us you know is yeah, individuals yeah. yeah i know I,
2: like, 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 <laughs> <laughs> definitely- and in a similar experience i i mean i wasn't interpreting this was back in my previous job i was working up north i was working at a private acaiwa and there was one other foreign teacher she was um, a white woman from Uh, north, uh, close to, I think, Milwaukee or Minnesota. I don't remember exactly. But we had this um, event where we went to uh, a high school. Even though we were private A Kiwa, we had an event where we went out to a a high school and did some activities with the kids and stuff like that. And then we had like a short Q&A where they could ask us, you know, where are you from and what do you like to do? What are your hobbies and that kind of thing where they could kind of practice their English. I know Yeah, you can probably guess. Of course, uh, you know, I, I had been teaching a little bit longer than her. And, you know, um, you know, she, she's a nice, nice woman. She was fine. She was okay. Uh, But there was just, for every one question I got, I think she got probably about five or six more. There was just so much more interest in her. And Mm -hmm. even though we're both from the United States, and, you know, the kids were just enamored, like, oh, you're from America. And oh, really cool. Do you know this? Do you know that? There was so much more interest in her, as opposed to me. And, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, you should have all this interest in me, and you should be looking at me. But I was just like, it instantly struck me. (laughs) It is. Yeah. It it struck me as like, you know, a a little bit like, you're an afterthought. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you don't, like, I didn't belong, or I didn't matter as much. And Mm -hmm. so I felt a little bit disappointed. And And even on the way back to our Center and mm-hmm. I just kept thinking it over and over in my mind. Like, did I do something wrong? Did mm-hmm. did was I not appealing? This was it, was it the way I dressed. Was it you know the way I had my hair? What what, what did I do that 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 weakened that interaction? And mm-hmm. you know, thinking of over it now, this was years and years and years ago. Thinking mm-hmm. about it now, I don't. I, I I recognize that that wasn't me necessarily. It was mm-hmm. a whole a different situation, but. Definitely, um, definitely. Yeah, just that instant was like at that yeah. moment I didn't feel
3: because like I, mean, I should have Yeah, you raise a lot of a lot of really interesting points there because it's not really just a it, there's the 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 way that the students themselves conceptualize their English teachers, right? And they have a very fixed image of what we should look like and where we should come from. And that's not really their fault, okay? But there you are in this situation where you have this opportunity to show them that there is a different face of an English language teacher. And I think my question to you is, did your colleague acknowledge that that had happened? Even not-
2: I know the answer, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think she maybe wanted to, but yeah. openly, outright, no, and um, she did
3: not. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of another thing that is frustrating for me as a you know black woman teaching in in Japan is that you know I think if colleagues would acknowledge when these things happened, you know if they that would go some way to taking away that self-doubt that we have and that frustration. And it's, I think, and like you said, you think that she wanted to, and it's probably not that she didn't want to, just didn't know how to to come out and say it. So, you know, if, um you know, for white teachers out there listening, when these things happen and you recognize them, and even if you don't, then talk to us about it. Because we kind of have to work together to change this kind of very sort of white image of English language teachers mm. in Japan and I think a lot of colleagues out there whatever their phenotype would want to help to do that and if you don't you should <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah. another thing I was thinking about um, is just the even textbooks you know if you know we all have basically we have free reign of what textbooks we want to choose right uh, depending on the class I guess but um, that's the other thing. I mean, I go through mm-hmm. so many textbooks looking for some kind of diversity and it's like, yeah, no, nope. no. Nope. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, that's the other thing too. I mean, um, um, I, I'm not even sure if they even know that I'm black, you know, I mean, it's half the time, but, um, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've had that discussion before too, yeah. you know, being mixed mm-hmm. and stuff. And, um, you know skin tone and all that other stuff, but um, yeah. But the even the textbooks, like I wish if if anybody's listening <laughs> who's a textbook writer, please
3: do a better job. Please, I beg of you.
1: Yes, um, please do a better job to represent uh, a lot of different uh, people. Um, uh, yeah, because it's very disheartening. You know, I mean, it just kind of reminds me of you know growing up in the seventies and never seeing anybody uh, on TV. Oh. You know, yeah. it's the same kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, and we're then an afternoon you you all kind of ran to the TV. There's a black person on TV. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then we just you yeah. know, glued to that. Um yeah. yeah, I remember those days. But um it's just like, you know, whoever's writing, it's just the same as T V. Like whoever is writing these things, whoever's directing whatever, there you can tell exactly um their mm-hmm. uh world view. You know, in who they hire and who they uh, put in these textbooks and stuff like that. Because then you can tell somebody who's, you know, let's face it, just like white bread, people around them in their circle mm-hmm. since, you know, junior high, uh, elementary school have all been like just this white community all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, the random stray, uh, you know, black kid or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you can tell uh, how these people grew up. Uh, you know, the people who are in charge of, you know, Mm -hmm. writing these things. And um, it's just very disheartening. Yeah. Even in this, even in these days, these times, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, we do exist. I mean, I'm sure they realize that we do exist. (laughs) So uh, please do a better job, people.
3: Gosh, you are so right. You know, and that's kind of one reason why I don't actually use textbooks anymore. I create all of my materials and (laughs) I I've talked about this at conferences before like even when we are using video or images you know just like random things people eating in a restaurant the pictures that you use on your powerpoints you know show some kind of diversity and of course race and age and ability as well we need all of that in there and I think Especially for me as an, as an English person, when I look at textbooks, especially from Britain, you know, Britain is presented in this really very sort of white way. And I think that's one reason why students find it really difficult to, A, believe that I'm from Britain and you know, <laughs> <A>. <laughs> B, remember that I'm from Britain. I can tell my students this like at the beginning of the course and I'll refer to things that in England. And at the end of the semester, they'll come up to me and say, so, you know, how do people do this in America? I'm like, I don't know. Ask an
2: American. (laughs) That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing, uh, I think it was at a JALT conference. I remember sitting and you talked about that in your presentation and Mm -hmm. I that resonated with me so much. I had, I'd been doing that for a while in my classes. I try to go to, there's a website I love. I absolutely love for, um, creative Commons stock images, um, images that you can either use with yeah. attribution of the artist, or you don't have to use attribution. Um, but you can, um, you can, you know, like put a link or something. It's a website called Pexels, P-E-X-E-L-S.com. Oh, Yeah. And, and so one of the, yeah, one of the things that kind Mm -hmm. of sparked that interest in me, what you're talking about with using images in in your slides and in your materials you create is that a lot of, up until maybe a few years ago, I feel like a lot of websites didn't have images of, um, black and Brown people, um, you know, doing things in the office or going around, you know, living life outside, having dinner at a restaurant, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, because, you know, I work with, uh, a for-profit institution, we're not allowed to just use any old image. We're not allowed to use, just go on Google images and copy paste. So we have to be very careful about, you know, making sure that we either use creative Commons images. And and I was looking for websites that did that. And one website was Pexels. And so as I'm scrolling through the images, I realized that it allows artists and photographers of all backgrounds to post images and then like put their social media handle Mm -hmm. And there are so many images of black and brown people, um, Asian, um, Middle Eastern, just all races that are doing things, uh, you know, that everybody does that, you know, that that demonstrate and show life and in in a variety of ways. And so I started using that and I make a point to use that any type of any type of. image that shows um black or brown people asian people i always try to put that in my powerpoints i always try to put that um on like uh, handouts or um Mm -hmm. on worksheets and things like that if we do an activity where we have the students create characters or create images or create background stories for people um i try to use a variety of people that they can see like this is you can think and 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 not project what's the word i'm looking for Sorry, if they can take a, a person of color and you know give them a full rich life in their imagination just as they would um, a white person or in, in their in a lot of my students' cases an Asian person as well so um, yeah. I try to do that as as frequently as possible
3: yeah definitely and that's really really good and really important I remember one once um, a few years ago I used I was talking about family and so I used this image of um, a Black mother, white father, mixed heritage child, right? And I wasn't talking about that specific family in the classroom, but I remember after the class, a student asked me, why did you use this image of family? And I just said, well, it's, it's a family. <laughs> and she said, yes, but they all look different. And I said, well, okay. in some families, people do look different. <clears throat> you know hello and, yeah <laughs> exactly and my kids as well and then she was like oh right yeah um but then I realized that when this student went on to do her presentation she did have like lot more pictures of diversity in her in her powerpoint so you know kind of sneaking it in there subliminally I think is is really important and I mm. think a lot of Teachers don't really think about that because, you know, you're thinking about the topic, right? You're just thinking, okay, I need to teach this point. I need a picture for it. So you're not purposely picking out a picture of white people per se, but you're not, just not really, uh, teachers are often not thinking about it. But we need to be aware of that because we are giving them specific messages for students and lots of people in Japan in general and all over the world, you know. English speaker equals white speaker. Mm, And we know that there are more people of colour that use English daily communication than, you know, people born in so-called English speaking countries, right? I think it's a really, really important thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, another thing that I was thinking about actually from one of the Tony's hints was the way that the different treatments sometimes we can get in the workplace based on our uh, color or gender. And and we kind of touched on that before, you know, with the way that, you know, men react to us in certain situations. A lot of my uh, research participants and people that I talked to, and myself included, kind of felt that within a workplace, they tend to be under greater scrutiny than um, their work colleagues. And this hasn't been a huge problem for me, but I have had instances where I felt, well, why am I being held up to this standard yet my colleagues are not? Mm. Or especially dealing with like office staff, you know, they tend to be a little bit more uh, reticent, a little bit more afraid you know, if they have to come and talk to you or talk to me about something, they'll bring somebody with them, <laughs> you know. And I was working at a university and I was um, I was leaving at the end of the contract. I was trying a new job. And, you know, we have this research budget at the university um, and you're really supposed to kind of leave everything when you finish, right? But everyone takes their books and things. But at my university, the rule was if you buy a computer that's over 150,000 yen, then of course that needs to go back to the university, right? Which was perfectly fine. I had bought a Mac and I knew that this laptop needed to go back to the university. And um, if you, a couple of months before I left, I remember it was at the Christmas, I was called into this meeting with my boss and with the head of the um, general affairs and one of the secretaries who kind of looked after us and they said well you know you do know that when you leave you have to give back the computer and I was like yes in fact I talked to the secretary about this last week I'm going to give back the computer and it felt like I was being reprimanded like Mm -hmm. don't steal from us that's what it felt like and I was like you know, I'd been, I'd gotten along so well with these people for four years. I thought we were friends. We'd been drinking together and suddenly this meeting was really kind of cold. And, and a colleague of mine was also leaving at the same time and he had bought like computers and loads of stuff that was more than the 150,000 yen. So I thought, well, maybe this is part of the exit strategy of the university. So I asked him, did you have this meeting? And he was like, no. <laughs> of course not. This is my white male English friend. He was like, no, I didn't have this meeting. And so I've always, I went back to my boss and I explained how I felt. I said, I really feel like you guys thought I was going to steal from you. And that's left me with a really sour taste in my mouth at this university. But, and I don't know, but I suspect that it was the combination, partly the combination of my race and gender. And then there could be many things, you know, it could have just been maybe they thought I didn't understand, or maybe I'm more scary, I don't know. But, you know, it's a game, there's, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but the a cat, there's always that doubt there.
1: Yeah, it just leaves you feeling like, what did I do? And, you know, as Rachel, you said earlier about uh, when you were going to that event, you know, we're the ones who are like thinking, what did I do? What what should I have done? What is it? You know, we're making excuses. Um, and maybe, yeah, the scenarios, it could be anything, but we don't, yeah. we'll never know for sure unless we say something. But at the same time, how do we say that? You know, mm. how do we tell these people that they're making us feel like uh other yeah
3: yeah that's true interestingly in my situation my boss said you know he said i knew that you would feel like that but that wasn't our intention and he (laughs) said no he said to be honest i don't really know why we had that meeting either (laughs) i knew knew that you would feel like that it's like what
2: okay (laughs) I don't know. Avril, I think it's really, I think it's really inspiring that you actually confronted and actually sat down and said something. I think that a lot of people, especially me, I mean, and uh, for me, and several times and several occasions, thinking back, it when you when you suspect that it happens, you, you sometimes it's like you said, it's not the case. Sometimes we do misinterpret. Um, mm. an awkward encounter or a, a sour interaction, and and we might attribute it to race and gender. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. But I think the courage to go back and talk to the person and say, hey, that interaction we had, that meeting we had, that mm. conversation we had, can we talk about that for a second? Can we break that down and unpack that? Like, mm. I I am still struggling to this day mm. with initiating those conversations. And i I I wish there was like a I don't know like um a, a, a script or a a playbook or something you know like a couple of set lines or phrases I could use to open that conversation and start it without the conversation derailing or you know the situation getting worse or maybe you know maybe I don't have control over that I don't know maybe it's going to get worse yeah. regardless but um you know yeah. I just being able to have that ability to. To get the ball rolling and start that conversation, I, I'm open to any advice or any um, ideas on how to do that. Gosh, I don't know. But if you don't, um, have, which but if you don't have any answers right now, that's totally okay. I understand. But
0: mm.
2: you see, well, I
3: think for me, if I'm, if I'm, there are some situations in in my past that you know we'd never have the opportunity to resolve. But the thing is, I know that it's going to come up again. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that I'm going to have this, face this situation and I have to think to myself, you know, well, what can I say the next time? But for me, that situation was so hurtful. I, you know, and, and my stomach was churning. I couldn't sleep, you know, I'm at home and I'm worrying about it. And I think if that's how I'm going to feel, then I need to talk to someone about this. You know, even if I don't get the answers that I, that I want, there really is no script You know, I think it's just accepting that it is going to be an incredibly difficult and uncomfortable conversation. And that during that conversation, you need to stay calm. And you may not get what you want, but at least you have the chance to express yourself. And I think that's really, really important because we can't, you know, and the next time it happens, it will be easier maybe no wait a minute <laughs> the next time it happens you'll be more prepared for it <laughs>
1: that's the that's better way to put it yeah that's
3: what, Yeah. it won't be easier it's never easy it's never going to be easier <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm just an optimist <laughs> yeah I wish and to have support right I think you know talking to just this conversation and talking to friends about it and you know a lot of the black women in Japan group, you know, women will post about these certain situations and just having that support because that's the difference, right? If we were at home, you know, you'd go home and you'd be like, this happened and blah, blah, blah. And I can't believe it. And I can't, you know, your neck would be like going a mile a minute, right? <laughs> you know, you'd you'd have that, you'd have that support. And a lot of, Maybe the mistake that a lot of us make is that we just sort of hold that in and that frustration
1: builds. Right, trying, trying to be polite. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I try to keep
2: the peace.
3: And represent the race
1: at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, I felt like I've been here for 30 years now. And I remember that was like, at least for the first 5 years i was here that that was always in the back of my mind like i have to represent my race mm-hmm. properly you know um mm-hmm. and you know at the time you know I, I mean i wasn't in i wasn't living in osaka um i was living in a small city in, back east but you know and it was kind of country and stuff so definitely there was i felt a lot of pressure too you know, be yeah. the smiling face because my resting face is always kind of bitchy, apparently. You know, I've learned what? that. I've been told that many, many times over the years. Like, if I'm not smiling, I look like I'm about to kill somebody or something, which is... Not. Um, you Um, got to consider the source, though, you know? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean just that that kind of pressure was kind of always present for me too um and i would go uh, you know above and beyond kind of trying to have these children you know after school i wouldn't go home i would stay there and go around to the classrooms i'm talking about junior high by the way anyway um uh go to around and check out all the you know the after school activities and, you know, I didn't speak a lick of Japanese, but I was always trying to be like, hey, let's yeah. play together kind of thing, you know, and just really, I mean, I really felt a lot of pressure. I mean, I was willing to do it, of course, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was like, okay, well, I have, at the time, my hair was really short and I had mm-hmm. to keep my hair really short and I had to look professional. And meanwhile, you know, a lot of the other teachers were wearing, you know, just uh, jogging <laughs> outfits, you know. Yeah, um yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's so much at the beginning. You know, we all learn as we go. Uh, mm. But um, yeah, I, I representing the race was always uh, is and still is always a part of my being. Every time I walk into a classroom, I mean, mm. you know. Yeah, uh, yeah,
3: that's so true. Because I think we kind of started in the same way, right? Because um, we were both jets.
1: Yeah. And, yeah.
3: Yeah. I felt especially that I wasn't only representing the race for Japanese people that I encountered, but also for many of the other jets, you know, especially the first two years where I was just trying to be nice to everybody. You know, when people would say, people from Australia or New Zealand, even from the States, little towns in the States would be like, Oh, you're the first black person I've ever spoken to. Can I touch your hair?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, God! just, you know,
1: you know, mean, just so, don't it, touch the hair please you
3: know, oh my goodness, goodness. So, and, uh, you know, and it was not I had this friend um, who is a Chinese American girl and I remember we were at a party and some people had we'd had that kind of interaction and she was like listen you were far too nice to those people <laughs> 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 I was like you know what you're right yeah you're right you know but There's a lot of pressure in the beginning. You know, you want to be seen as being this happy, smiley, you know, nice person because you might be seen as scary. Saying yes to every single invitation, being invited to people's houses so they could just stare at you and watch you struggle using chopsticks, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) there's just no people turning up at your house at random times. Because, you know, maybe like like you, um, Davina, we were both in the little tiny towns in the mountains. So for me, not only was I the first um, black person that many people had met, for some people who lived even more in the sticks, I was the first foreign person they'd mm. ever met and ever spoken to. I remember once going to this... Festival in the mountains, and this man came up to me kind of wide eyed and he grabbed my hand and he kind of stroked it, which is kind of creepy. And he went, oh, You first black person. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, all right, uh, can I have my hand back, please. <laughs>
1: Creepy, but he's probably like some kind of you know blues music fan or something who was like so into blues music, and he and this is the first one he'd seen in person. Oh my god, yeah, loves black culture, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had those, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
3: I would say for you know, for young people listening now, but I think that young people, especially young black women coming now, are a little bit more savvy than I. Was in those days, and have a better sense of you know the boundaries, right? But I think you know we don't have to put up with that. You know we don't have to get angry at people, but we can step away. Or we can say no. You know, don't let people touch
1: your hair, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or your boobs. Oh my god! Oh my goodness,
3: <laughs> the boobs. Yes. <laughs>
1: Rachel, you look surprised. You haven't had that. <laughs> no, I not not
2: not the not the boobs. No, the, bo- okay. the back though. Yes, <laughs> the behind. Uh, yes. Oh God, yeah. that actually so and that was it, that was actually when I was studying abroad. I had uh, there was a uh, few Japanese um, uh, students who were you know uh, I, I won't say in charge of, but they were kind of you know. When we were, when I was studying abroad, I studied abroad in Osaka, and there's some Japanese students who were kind of in charge of, you know, showing the international students where to go, where to eat, you know, where the dorms were, take us out, have fun, and stuff like that. And one guy, um, Japanese guy, we were walking. I remember in the Umeda station, through like transferring between two subway lines, he just <laughs> slapped me on my butt really hard in rush hour. In rush hour. So this is like when people, like full of people. And I just stopped and I couldn't believe it. And I was just, I turned around and I looked at him and I'm like, are you kidding me? And I don't think he was expecting me to do that. I don't think mm -hmm. he was expecting me to say anything. I think he probably... I don't know what he was thinking to be honest, but I just turned around and I was so infuriated. And I said, why did you do that? And he instantly started apologizing. I'm so sorry. 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 And mind you, I hadn't, I mean, we had met and talked a couple of days before. And I mean, like we're, not close at all and i was just absolutely livid and just heartbroken and confused and also it just humiliated because this wasn't Mm-mm. you know this was in a in, literally in the middle of a busy oh
3: um, my
2: train station and oh, so um i mean he kept pro- uh, apologizing profusely and i mean but just like i i to this day i don't think i ever really forgave him for that but oh, a part cool. of me is thinking like just like I know you don't see people with maybe a slightly different body shape than what you're used to, or, you know, whatever was on your mind, whatever license you thought you had. Yeah, no, that's not okay. And just in that moment, I couldn't process much except for it. Just what Mm -hmm. were you doing? What were you thinking? Why, why did you do that? And I was on that loop for a couple of minutes and I didn't speak to him for the rest of the night. I was just sat away from him. Um, And I don't know, you know, just, it's it still to this day kind of just resonates with me as like a, as an infuriating mm-hmm. experience, but it's also like, you know, I've like, if I had going back to Avril, what you said about like representing the race, like, yeah. man, I just wanted to punch him in the middle of the station. But then, yeah. then one, I probably would have lost my study abroad visa. I would have lost my student visa <laughs> too. Um, I would have been. Somewhere in someone's mind, I'm thinking. I'm thinking in someone's mind, I'm going to um, reinforce uh, some sort of violent or you know aggressive stereotype they already have, and so all of that is just in a split second coming into my mind. Yeah. And at that point, I just, I just, I, I wish I had said something different. I wish I had done something different than what I'd done. But
1: you know, what do you wish you would have done or said? ah uh, it's the punch right it's the punch yeah I think I, would. <laughs> I, wish I just would have hit him but
2: um I wish I like I wish I would have talked to him and, and said like you know you you can't do that mm-hmm. and you need to you need to promise me you'll never do something like that to me or anyone else again like that's mm-hmm. not okay yeah yeah and i mean like i said he did like he apologized and i'm not trying to defend his behavior but would, like absolve it by him apologizing i i know that he recognized on a level like he did something wrong but ultimately like i just wish i had i don't know i guess i just finished that entire like i'd put like a bookend on that situation and say like this is not okay you need to promise me you're not going to do it again mm-hmm. and, but and i think it's
3: and- good that you reacted I yeah, do,
1: yeah, definitely. React, reacting yeah. was the good thing to do. Yeah, definitely. But I think a lot of, um, you
3: know, younger black women like yourself at the moment and, you know, dealing with these situations, these sexual harassment situations, whether it's on the mm-hmm. train or whether it's, you know, within their workplaces or like, you know, the Nkis, there's a lot of sexual harassment. And you said, you know, there was in that split second you were thinking, you know, if I react and punch him like I want to, am I going to be seen as, you know, the angry black woman? And I've talked to so many women about this in our group and our friends who have been in these situations, some some of which are worse and, and where they're actually in, may be in physical danger, but they feel that they can't, you know, defend themselves physically because they're going to be viewed as the angry black woman. And, I know that, you know, we all have this within those split second. Okay. And there are many situations where I wish that I had acted out my anger (laughs) the way that I felt, because at the end of the day, what is important is your, your sense of physical safety and, you know, your sense of being, feeling able that you're able to defend yourself and that you're not, you know, you're not powerless in that situation. You know, you've got lots of things that you could do and which is why I think it's good that you reacted. I definitely do. So I think, you know, for young women, especially, you know, just coming to Japan, these situations are going to come up. Mm-hmm. You need to defend yourself. And if some people, people are going to think we are angry and violent, they're going to think that anyway, no matter what we do. Right. That's true. But the most important thing is that you defend yourself in that, you know, at that moment in that space. Mm-hmm mm mm-hmm. right okay are you okay the time is oh, alone <laughs> comments I, I, I
0: said it's a lull. yeah
1: we, we need we need something <laughs> okay
0: good 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 because there's there's a lot because we're, we're running down on time yeah. But i wanted to mm-hmm. underscore some of the things that that people have said and add some other things in um I like re- you know early on you uh, guys made the um, uh, introduction of, of gender into the into the equation uh, the difference between like you know uh, whether it's you know the, the person's male or female um, but age is also another big factor too right and when we talk about again you know we're not we don't exist in a vacuum that the culture here um, you know they've got spots for all that you know what how old you are male female and what color you are that is their their bent is to put things into um a hierarchical structure and that makes it a natural environment for all the microaggressions that you or or i um um might feel it just uh, it, it it's not natural at all it's very very cultural but it's understandable that we would feel those things and um, a, a good part of the, your the discussion was like exactly how, what the best way to deal with that is. Um, d- to the to the very end, right? With 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 Rachel said so we know that you've got to do something. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you want to <laughs> you want you want to do the punch, you know, as April said, but you know that's not the way to do it, and. You know, you, you, you're you here long enough, you learn different ways. Hopefully you find people who are um, more familiar with the culture and manipulating the society and the rules here so that you can get the result that you want. It might not be as satisfying, um, but you can somehow, and again, you talked about like younger teachers. Um kind of shepherding them and hurting them and, and helping them learn. Yeah. This is what you would do back home that won't work here, but Hey, you know what will work? Try it this way, you know, and manipulating that person, senpai, for example, or, 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 or there's a lot of different things. Um, I have
3: something that I can, um, cool. so Can I yeah. add to that? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a slightly different situation, but, um, there's the letter the letter writing thing when we want to complain about something. I mean, not the sexual harassment cases, but I'll give you an example. I think Rachel and Davina already know this, but um, there's a difference between how white people and black people are perceived in Japan, right? And we've all had that situation where we've been in a restaurant with the Japanese person and the waiter comes and they just talk to the Japanese person even though you're ordering, right? My husband knows now just to stay quiet. (laughs) And, you know, um, so I was in a train station with a friend and... (laughs) You know what's
1: coming. I know what's coming, yes.
3: And um, we went to buy tickets to a conference, which was interesting because the conference was about diversity. We were going to Kyoto, right? And she had gotten there before me and already bought her ticket. And then I went in to buy my ticket. During the interaction with the clerk, the guy just completely ignored me, even though I was asking questions again and he talked to her And she was like, why is he looking at me? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And I actually said to him, could you look at me, please, you know, in Japanese? And he kind of just looked confused, right? And so I think that situation was kind of the icing on the cake for me because I feel that a lot of us have quite bad experiences either on the train or in the train stations. We need to know that with the train, the people who work at the train station are on our sides, Right. So I decided to uh, write a letter to JR to Japan Rail, Um, and I talked about the interaction. And I said, you know, it's interesting that with two, when you're confronted with two foreigners, one black and one white, you know, the you would ignore the black person, and I think that says a lot. And it was just before the Olympics as well, well, when they were supposed to be in 2020, it was in 2019. And I had said, you know, next year it's the Olympics in Japan. You're going to have a lot of foreigners coming here. And their first interaction with the Japanese people may actually be in a train station. It should be a good one. So anyway, I, I wrote this letter and I didn't really think much of it. But it was just you know, all these microaggressions. You know, I, had up, right? I had built up, I had built up, needed to get it out. right? And I didn't expect to hear anything one week later I got a phone call from the head of the human resources at uh JR in Chubu in Nagoya which kind of panicked me because I wasn't expecting that and he said he wanted to have a meeting I was like okay wonderful so they came to my office um I asked a Japanese friend to help me because you know formal Japanese is not my thing and we had this meeting and it was actually a really encouraging meeting because they had said that was the first time they had ever had a letter of complaint from a foreign person. Whereas <laughs> the Japanese people write letters of complaint all the time, but this is the first time. And then they said, you know, they had watched the uh, on camera, our interaction in the train station and they talked to the clerk and he didn't even realise what he had been doing. And I was about to say, well, that's the problem. But they said, and we think that's the problem. he didn't even realize they were doing it. And I was like, you were saying all the right things. Tick, tick, tick. And then they said, so what we decided to do was we had a training and we copied your letter. And we gave it to all of our new employees because they're supposed to treat customers, all customers equally, no matter where they come from and what they look like. And then he gave me a chance to talk as well. And I said that, you know, again, we have a lot of issues on the train. You know, women are sometimes verbally abused on the train, physically abused. I mean, some of the things that we see on black women in Japan that happen on the train is just outrageous. And so we talked about all of that. And then they said, well, this is what we're going to do we've sent your letter to every train station in Japan. and We want them to, to use this so that we can increase, you know, our employees' ideas of sort of diversity. So I feel that in that situation, I was kind of using the system to hopefully to our advantage. And then, of course, COVID struck. I don't know what happened <laughs> to that, <laughs> unfortunately. But I think... I suppose I'm saying that is to say that there are things that we can do. If you go into a convenience store and somebody is really rude to you, you can send a letter to the head office. You can complain. You know, we are not powerless. We may not have the same power that we have in our own countries, (laughs) but there are things that that we can do. Okay. I'm going to shut up now.
2: (laughs) well said. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and you said we don't have the same power, but in some ways, for example, like in your situation, it sometimes mm. we find out that we actually have a lot more power than we do, if, if I can use a That's we true. here. Um, mm. um, one of the things you said much earlier on is, um, I think, also really important, was like trying to explore uh, different ways that we can um, break that stereotype of the English teacher um, to – seek out opportunities to show uh, diversity. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that um, often came up in, in, in my class, especially in my, my intercultural classes, I was like <gasps> talking to them about, you know, because Japan is so, Homogeneous, not hundred mm-hmm. percent, obviously not, but, uh, compared to, for example, the United States, um, England, for example. Um, and I tell the students is when you go to New York, when you stand on, you know, in the middle of Manhattan, you're going to, it was like, where are all the Americans? <laughs> Cause they don't all look like the kids in the textbook. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the place. And, then, and I tell them about, um, you know, I told them about my story, um, Chicago is still one of the most segregated cities in the United States, but it it's a city of neighborhoods and um it, I grew up in in the, the the South Side which still has lots of very strong immigrant uh neighborhoods when people came with jobs in the stockyards in the early 20th century and that's you know my, my parents came. Mm-hmm. And um there's a Mexican neighborhood, neighboring a Polish neighborhood and then an Irish neighborhood and an Italian neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um when my mother Um, And all her four sisters all married Mexican men. (laughs) So when I grew up playing with my cousins, everybody was half Mexican, half Polish. And one day I came home from school. I must have been in the second grade. I says, Ma, Ma, there's a kid in my class. Both his parents are Irish. That was the first non-mixed kid I knew. <laughs> and, <he> says, <laughs> and it was a thing. Yeah. It's like, "Ma, this kid's 100% Irish. I, I never met anybody who was uh, a mixed, a mixture of some kind. And, you know, I, I share this story with my students. They're like,
2: <laughs>
0: you know, they can't even begin to understand. But it's an opportunity to kind of break through. It's like, no, no, this this place where we're at right now, this classroom, this is a, this is the outlier. This is kind of a weird place. Um so yeah, there's there's opportunities all over the place um for different kinds of diversity. Yeah, and, I was um,
1: oh I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go no, no, no I'm go done. Ahead. Yeah. Um uh, one of the textbooks that I have used, um has like different stories from different parts of the U S and um, like once they got it, one of the chapters was about South Carolina, I think. And they mentioned some old um, places that were used uh, in, like as, a, you know, uh, slaves lived here and stuff like that. And so I look for those opportunities and when, during, I remember what, and this was a zoom lesson, actually, <laughs> this is the first year of Corona. And I, um, you know, I'm on my Zoom and I'm saying, you know, and I, I I, don't know how long I was talking. I made comments about every little thing just to make sure that they knew that uh, America was not, you know, the land of uh, milk and honey and all these really terrible things have happened. Um, but... Uh, Americans are you know well I'm, everybody is resilient you know we have this in our history and we've grown and you know educated ourselves and you know i i tried to but i remember i started kind of going off on a tangent one time and i was like um what what was i was talking in all in, oh, in japanese by the way and i was just like America's a crazy country, better be careful when you go. And I was like, Oh, what did I just say? (laughs) I don't want them to be scared to go. But I want them to be um, prepared if they do. Because, you know, the truth is the truth. I mean, you, you just have it out there. It's a fact. And then you just be prepared and you have to have them be prepared too, because some of the, I I teach at a, at a music college. And so some of these kids were going, or probably will wind up performing somewhere in some country, you know, and if they were to perform in the States and they were in the South or something, and something that happened to a musician, a friend of mine, a Japanese musician who was, um, you know, in the last 20 years or so, I don't know what part of the South he was in, but like, uh, he was denied a hotel, he was denied a restaurant, because they didn't want anyone who was not white there. And so these are still the realities. And that that's what I was trying to give them you know i i don't want them to be you know scared but i want them to be prepared and that goes true for my son as well of uh, and for any um non-white uh child or you know young adult going deciding to uh go to these places just remember that it's not just because you're japanese and wide-eyed and all this stuff doesn't mean that people are going to want to see your face there you know, and 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 this this is just the same kind of situation that you know a lot of people of color have to face. Uh, you know, non non Asian people of color have to face. Let's just say, you know, brown people, black and brown people. Um, you know, I I just want them to know the reality of this country that we're studying here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just oh isn't South Carolina beautiful? But yeah, um, something happened there. <laughs> You know that you need yeah. to be aware of. That's
3: so important because, I mean, the the reality is that as much as we would like our students to perhaps have a, a broader worldview, especially when it comes to English speakers, they're more likely to go to the states first. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to yes. England. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> they may go to England. They may go to Australia. Those are the countries that they're going to go to so we do need to talk about those things you know yesterday I was just talking to a student I haven't actually taught him for two years but he was asking me about England and he said but what about the racism and I said yeah it is it's there sadly you know any if you decide to go to America Canada Australia New Zealand wherever you go you're not going to be able to avoid that Mm -hmm. But yeah. you know, what is important is that you create a community and that you also start thinking about how you can respond to it. And I can help you with that. But it's a reality, you know. And I also recently taught a module about all the sort of anti-Asian hate that has come out of, you know, the coronavirus and, you know, President Trump's and all that kind of stuff and you know also to point out that it only doesn't happen in america it's happening in europe too because i think Mm -hmm. that a lot of you know the media and pay me a lot of english teachers too want to point the finger at america and say america's bad these only things happen in america oh you know in canada we don't have any racism that is not true (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. so you know you need to point out that yeah in britain too if you're not white and it's not You'll be discriminated because you're Japanese, you'll be discriminated because you're not white, it's different. Okay, this mm. is how you were not perceived as a Japanese. As soon as you step out of this country, you are Asian. Once you go to my country, mm. and you know, you're not even in, in British terms anyway. The more you know, the more uh, the type of Asian person we're more used to is sort of Indian origin Pakistan Bangladesh you know those are people that have been in Britain for generations and generations so you will stand out and sometimes those reactions are not always going to be good
1: right (laughs) and that's the other thing too that they um at least the students I have to tell them every time you know you are the foreigner when you go abroad thank you yeah Um, so, you know, anywhere, uh, one of the, I don't know, I mean, one of the things that I have an issue with sometimes is, um, you know, when I went to Honolulu a couple of years ago, um, this felt like, uh, sometimes I feel like, uh, when Japanese go abroad or somewhere, they kind of create their own universe. Um, I don't know how to uh, express it exactly. I'm still working on this. Uh, theory in my mind, so um, um, it's just like uh, no one else exists, and this is where we are. We are wherever we are. We are the main, and then whoever else is outside is just outside. They're the foreigner. I mean, the 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 the, the word gai kokojin or gaijin, I you know, the derogator, I guess, um, is is I think falsely translated. Um, by Japanese for somehow you know like uh, the way we use foreigner and the way they use foreigners kind of different. It has a different connotation, but that's another whole other topic. That's so but interesting, yeah. I just I feel like there it's like it's their own world wherever they go, whatever country they're in. It's just like their own little world, but. um uh, so, uh, I don't even know where I was supposed to I was going with this. Um, I forgot. That's the morning brain there. How you, was- to
2: add to what you're saying, Davina, I totally get what you're saying. Um, when I was, I, I, had, I was doing a, a reading and writing class several, a couple of years ago for our study abroad program. And uh, the topic they were writing about was, you know, um, write about your predict your study abroad experience in America. So these students are going to study abroad in the U S they're slated to go. Um, They're going to do English classes with us. And then they study abroad in the U S and they're writing um, paragraphs about, you know, their study abroad experience, what they want to do. And a lot of my students kept writing me sentences. I want to, I want to live in America and speak to foreign people, speak to foreigners. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, well, what about Americans? You want, you only want to speak to foreigners. or You want to speak to Americans too. And they're like, you can just see
1: the
2: yeah, then, uh, the yeah the the file not compute the file not found error yeah. and they're like wait no and I was like well if you're in America which one is the foreigner and then they're like and you can slow I slowly see their eyes like oh oh okay so it's just like they haven't been really taught to think of it in that way up until that moment. And right. then so, when, yeah. even then when you do present it away, it takes a minute. It takes a little while for it that does. to settle in. Yeah. yeah. And
1: it never changes. It's, it's always like I have to say this kind of thing every year to yeah. the new set of students that come in. Yeah. So the use of Gaikogujin is still Uh, strange here. I mean, you'd think that they would have a more open, um, usage or, uh, feeling or definition of it by now, but they don't. And that's the other thing is you just said something about the idea of foreigner. They're talking about white people. Yes. When they're going abroad, they say, I want to speak to Gaijin uh, Gai or something like that, whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. They're talking about white people. That's mm-hmm. their image. So that's the other thing, too. You know, I used to work for... Am I allowed to say who I used to work for as an Kaiwa? Sure, sure, so sure. I used sure. to work for ECC a um, long time ago. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, even Nova ads and stuff, you know, you see them on the train every freaking time it's a white person. And I just get so frustrated sometimes. Um Oh, and then you know not not only just white i mean it's like white with blue eyes yes. you know most Very of the time specific kind. yeah uh, or you know not not only blonde hair but there are those you know uh things too but um just so annoying i mean like anytime a, a black person is represented it's almost as if like the entertainer <laughs> and i'm an entertainer so I'm also an entertainer, so it's like uh, I'm in I'm in a weird position because I'm stereotyped as an entertainer. It just so happens I am an entertainer, but yeah. you know there are a lot of you know my friend is not an entertainer. She's also a black woman, American, and she's always assumed that she's an entertainer, but she has nothing at all to do with entertaining. Um, that's the other thing. So it's safe to feel that uh, Black people are entertainers, and it's safe for them to feel that white people equals teaching or uh, company president or something yes. like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Devina, Oh my gosh, you—that that resonated with me on so many levels because my some of my students. This was again a few years ago. They're preparing to study abroad. They find out where they're going. They're going to different states, and some of them are going to study abroad on. Uh, campus of uh, Rutgers University in Camden, New Jersey. So, um, Camden, New Jersey, I don't if for those who are not aware, has a reputation of being, uh, I mean, Rutgers is a great university, but Camden, New Jersey itself has a lot of poverty and has a it, it struggles yeah, with poverty struggle. I know. Yeah, <laughs> <Right> <laughs> and, 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 across the river. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's high crime rate and, and things like that. And and yeah, so when terrible. the students students found out they're going to study abroad, they they instantly go to Google. They instantly go to Google Maps. They instantly Google Camden, New Jersey. And of course, the first thing that pops up are these news articles of like you know crime and, and shooting and, and images of like you know poor places and things like that. And they all start panicking. And of course, they all think, well, it's going to be full of scary. <sighs> scary black people that's what they're worried about facing yeah in the same vein they're also listening to um lots of uh rap music black music hip-hop uh dressing and wearing hoodies and dressing and wearing uh, the flat brim hats and 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 also like i, I want to say appropriating culture without action but without actually understanding it and so there's this i'm put in this like you said weird position where they want to talk to foreigners but only a specific kind of foreigner. They want to talk to Americans, but only a specific kind of American. They only want to talk to to white Americans while enjoying um, Mm hip-hop, rap, Black culture, Black music, but not talking to Black people, automatically compartmentalizing and seeing areas where Black people are as areas of poverty and Mm -hmm. having this, I guess, um, this dissociation or this, um, I don't know, this kind of un. I don't. I don't know how to explain it well. I can't articulate it, but it's just like this. It's like you. You want to go to America. You want to embrace certain mm. elements of black culture, but you don't want to. In, you don't want to speak or interact with black people, mm. and you've already written off black people as like this group of poor, crime-based people. Like that's what I'm watching my students do in. Clara to like uh, that's how I'm how I'm watching my students. Um, I guess on. on Unfold in class mm. I don't know how to, Oh gosh I can't it's say it right like but... they,
3: don't, they don't realize Sometimes I find that they, It seems like They don't realize That, that we are actually Black
1: <laughs> like I yeah. Feel like yeah. Like, yeah They, they don't see, know That Beyonce, Beyonce is black By the way <laughs>
2: Oh my god. <goodness.
1: laughs> yeah They don't know Yeah <laughs> But it's like they.
3: <laughs> it's almost like They see us You know I don't know just a white mask Come over my face When I walk into the classroom so you know rather than I think with unless we kind of deliberately talk about these things with our students you know these stereotypes and we say well you know I'm a black person and I'm you know you like me and you're not afraid of me and actually even in my research as well I've noticed this as well other people have mentioned that you know students will say things negatively about black people being scary and I've had this I actually had this yes in the class yes black people are scary and, oh, I'm trying yeah. to talk to them if there's a black man walking towards me or I'm not going to sit next to a black person. And I'm like, you do realize I'm black, right? And you like <laughs> me. You seek me out after clash, send me messages, you know, and, and it, it, then the light goes on. So I sometimes feel you have to be very deliberate about these things, you know. But another thing, and probably the last thing I'm going to have a chance to talk to you about, but um, is that... Yeah, you get around. There's also, Tony, you mentioned something about hierarchies, right? And I think another thing that, you know, as black people, especially those of us who might talk to our students about black people in the class or black, different black cultures is to realize that there is a hierarchy of blackness as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as one of my research participants put it, you know, if you are black, if you're black and you're American, you're okay. Okay. That's it's, there's an acceptance, right? There's a, okay, we we get that. Was
1: that me who said that? Yes, it was. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> you put a few more expletives in it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's such a great quote though, because it's it's absolutely true. And, you know, there are women here, you know, from Jamaica, especially there's a lot of Jamaican teachers now, as we know, And, you know, they're having this problem because they don't represent the English culture that is taught. So they're black, but they're not even the right kind of black (laughs) to be sort of accepted. So again, you know, I would encourage teachers, you know, of all phenotypes to be very sort of deliberate about these things. You know, students. And it's not their fault. It's just the way that they have been socialized and educated. They have very specific images of English language teachers, English language speakers, and, you know, specific images of black people. And so when I was, you know, younger and I used to go to the clubs, this can't go now because they're closed, but you know, when I was younger, I would have people come up to me and be like, oh, yeah, I love black culture and, you know, do you rap? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then they'd be like disappointed, disappointed to know that I'm from England and I'm <laughs> not American. And I feel that sometimes with my students too. I don't represent that. So that's part of the reason why I do teach about stereotypes. They're just recognising there's a hierarchy in it within that, within a hierarchy, within a hierarchy. And I think as, as black teachers, especially black female teachers, and those black guys are going to be annoyed that I say this, we do seem to, a lot of the women that i talk talked to, do seem to talk about these issues and, and broach issues of stereotypes and racism in their class. What is encouraging to me though is that I see that there are a lot of teachers doing it right now um, of all phenotypes, like members of CATAR and certain groups within Jolt who are interested in teaching about diversity and and culture and stereotypes. And I think for those teachers who really do want to make that that leap into those topics is, you know, don't be afraid to ask us questions if you're not sure about how to refer to people different colors or what topics you might be you know you should you should include in your lessons don't be afraid to to ask us those questions
1: absolutely yeah And if I may, just even when a a child or a student Mm. asks you, who's Mm. your favorite actor or actress or something, if you could try to add a little bit of color in your answer, (laughs) my favorite is Denzel Washington or something, you know, uh, that would help, you know, um, especially, you know, of course, if you're Black, you might tend to say Denzel or somebody else. But if you're white, you always assume that you're not going to say Mm. something someone black so you know the the crossing of you know like I, i i can even though i'm white i can have a favorite actor or actress who is black that would help so much too i think yeah, definitely. Or just using them in your examples in your teaching.
2: If you, yeah. you know, use, bring up, you know, if you need names or making sentences and examples, using different kinds of names instead of just the John and the, not to say that there aren't black people in yeah. John, but if you, right. you know, using <laughs> names fun. like, yeah, just <laughs> getting beyond the few examples that you might be used to oh. using that only tend to pertain to whiteness. Getting mm, exactly. Out of that, really help. Yeah, definitely. that
0: would definitely, yeah.
3: I am so sorry. I really have to go. <laughs>
0: okay. So we'll, we'll we'll cut it off right now. And I'm, I'm glad you guys brought that up at the end, because that was one of the points that I wanted to hit on. Again, uh, the one thing that I think big uh, general takeaway that we can uh, get from the discussion is um, taking every opportunity to try to introduce more diversity into wh- whatever we're doing and you know again breaking down that stereotype of the of the blonde blue-eyed english teacher and uh, bringing in some more of the real world and also you know showing some of the part of that real world to them and they're again they have the hierarchy built in and um again our numbers are so small again i used to use the word hour but our numbers in japan are so small um that exposure is is a big problem and so we need to really try to maximize the exposure that w- that we can provide okay I'll shut up and so anyway two teachers mm-hmm. talking this is the last podcast of the year um, January 1st Charles and I will be back um, we'll probably hash out a little bit uh, about uh, some of the, the- Great points that came out Just today. Thank you, the three of you. Um, it was really enjoyable. I think it was really beneficial. I think people are going to get uh, a lot of benefit from what you shared with us. And um, I can't talk any faster, so I, really, I know you got to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you again. Thank you again. Thank you for again. Having and, us. and you guys, Tony. Thank, Thank
2: you, guys. Avril. Yes. Thank you, Davina. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, oh, and
0: <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And happy holidays afterwards. Merry Christmas. A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the sea